Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, this is Amir Ryder of the Transform Sales Podcast. I got my, my guest, CEO and founder, Jacob from, from Your Sales. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I had a late flight from Miami, but I'm, I'm back in Miami, ready to rock and roll. Where, where, are, you, where are you based these days? What part of the world Hi. are you in? Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm uh, I'm based just outside of Amsterdam, so um, so and but it's Europe. It's and it's and uh, and what we do here at Eurosales is we help we help SaaS companies with their sales growth. So it doesn't matter where I am because it's all. We're, it's called a nation state. I think what we're really building is a nation state of expert B two B sales agency owners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a book I forgot who it's written by because like, like it's quote the book a nation state, but. Um, it's interesting because like you said before, it doesn't matter where we are anymore. It matters what we know collectively and, and, our, and, our, and, our, and, what we, and what we can get done, what we can share. And it's an interesting, time to, an interesting time to be alive and be a professional these days. That's why um, I figured when I, so I started your sales 10 years ago. And yeah. when I started immediately, I thought that your sales would have to be a global company. Not in the sense that we would have people all over the place, uh, even if that's, that sort of comes with the territory as well. But more in the sense that you should be able to offer your services to any company anywhere on the planet, because software, software as a service companies also by by default are global companies, even if they don't know it yet, and even if they maybe don't feel like it yet, they will be global companies. Just in their DNA. Yeah, it's, it's like it's if you're like a dry awesome. cleaning store and you're down the block, like you're global. You're probably not global, right? You might not be able to get deliveries, Hardly. but. You know, if, 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 yeah, and I, and I agree with you. And, and, and I think that it's, it's, I think that it's an, it's an awesome thing seeing it's, it's almost like it's globalization and like decentralization at the same time, right? It, it, where people don't need to kind of be in the mega cities anymore. Um, and they could, they could be in their hometown bringing innovation. So just an interesting time, uh, to be yeah. alive. And, and also it's just a time where someone like you and me, um, I have a better opportunity of getting on a podcast and connecting and understanding the life of a leader like yourself um, in two seconds and, and become friends with someone like yourself versus, you know, somebody who's in my own city. Um, it could take forever to cross paths with somebody who's exactly. had that much experience. So just it, what a world we live in where, where we can do that. And people need to understand, I think, the same time that they, they have the ability to sell that way. Well, yeah, fast absolutely. And quick, right. Um, do anything like that, right? Sell, buy, acquire knowledge, anything, right? It's super easy. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, for, for those listening, um, you know, the, the idea of this podcast is just really to kind of share the honest truth about mistakes that buyers make when engaging sellers, uh, either on the buying cycle or selling cycle. And mistakes, not talking mistakes that hurt the buyer's bottom line, right? This is not about the, the seller's bottom line. Mistakes that hurt the buyer's bottom line, right? There's, there's two kinds of mistakes. The mistakes will... Man, we, we made a mistake in the sales process and we're going to lose into the competition versus hmm, it's going to really cost your bottom line and, and, and I want to protect you. And, and some buyers have, have you know, they've, they've hired outsourced sales before and they've done the whole, this tried it before and it didn't work. Yeah. Trying it again. They get burned, whole, right? And now they uh, want yeah. to try to avoid getting burned and then they end up trying to burn the outsourced provider instead because they don't want to get burned. It's That's exactly that's exactly what we're trying to stop. Yes. We want to do it, but we want to do it without risk. And we, yes, want, to, but, we want to invest, but, but not really. But we will tout our heads high that every million dollars of revenue is worth $10 million of valuation. Yeah, but totally. if we lose $35,000 to get that million, $10,000, that's a bad formula, right? That's, we've seen this before. 
Yeah, and and look, it doesn't even it gets much worse, I think, because sometimes it's just about five thousand dollars that 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 the investment that people are trying to uh, secure. You know, over here in Europe, the 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 VC rounds are considerably smaller than they are in the U.S. Um, and so the money that's available for for funding growth is also a lot uh, is also a lot smaller. It's smaller portions uh, basically of cash. And so people are really trying to make sure, as they should, right? They are trying to make sure that the money lasts as long as it can. They get the biggest possible bang for the buck. But one of the problems with that is that they will try to uh, a negotiate you down, um, and and B after you have signed, try to get as much um, as possible, even outside of your initial agreement, uh, into your delivery. And so those yeah. are those, those are problems. So and that's that's what it's called. We do, we refer to that as scope creep, right? And 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 yeah. For <laughs> those that are listening that might know the term scope creep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let Jacob. No, but it's when they, it's when they, and when customers sort of start to append new tiny details to the, to oh, let's do this as well, right? They buy apples and they want, and they want mangoes. Yeah, they buy apples. They want the apples, but they then they still want the apples, but now they also want the mangoes, right? So absolutely. Um, just for context, so that so 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 that everybody understands, what we do is at yourselves is we pro- provide consulting, uh, conversation generation, what most people probably would be calling lead generation, and we pro- provide dedicated reps. And customers make different kinds of mistakes depending on the kind of service that they're buying. I think, uh, for for instance, for dedicated reps, one of the things that they often do is they try to they try to want everything for cheap and they forget that they're in the job marketplace, they're in the labor market, right? And so they're competing with whatever somebody can get somewhere else in a regular job. And um, and they forget that when they're speaking with an outsourcing provider, they're speaking with somebody who is also competing with the labor market, right? And so, mm-hmm. and, and who's is trying to make money off of um, uh, the, uh, the whatever is being paid to the sales reps, right? Do you think it's for so it can't be cheaper? So and but so they so, so people try to get dedicated reps via outsourcing and have it be cheaper, yet they don't understand the the, the sort of economics of it and how that lands them with uh, lower quality talent than if they would just go out and hire do think, themselves. Do you, do you think it's a symptom of of bad buying habits, lack of lack of just being able to think at first principles and understand that yeah it's, you lack, know, of, it's lack of having thought it through uh every single time i have this kind of say uh, this conversation with a customer and say okay so how do you imagine this looking you're trying to get somebody to sell for you you want them uh, you want them to work for you and their options are this right and so you want them to work for less so why would they do that right yeah. So if you want people who are worth this, then you'll get people who are worth that, right? You won't yeah. get the people you want. You'll get people who are, who 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 are essentially lower quality talent. They can be good at other things, but not necessarily at what you need them to be good at. And then no, every I, single I, time I, I have I, that I, conversation, I, it lands. Then and yeah. then people say, "Oh yeah, I never thought of it. I thought about it like that." Okay. Well, well, to that point, right? Like, if, if I interview you, right, a couple years from now, you know, you, you sell your company, and I'm like, I want to bring Jack on, on my team, and, and and your your compensation package is X Y Z. My compensation is X Y Z, but I'm I'm 
I am so committed that you are the guy for my business, I might offer you an increased salary, right? Or bonuses on that, right? Because that's the tendency. It's like sports, right? Like how do we compete with people, right? So yeah. why is it that not only does that not same hiring process when people are looking for talent not carry through to outsource agencies, in fact, it's the opposite. Instead of saying, hey, Jacob, your sales seems like such a good fit. You've sold the same personas before. You charge what? I'm going to give you 20% more and take care of us. Make sure we get the best rep. Not only is it not that, which is how they buy higher normal talent normally, they do the opposite. They go lower. It, it, it's almost like a, a backwards uh, wave sign where it's yeah, like absolutely. I think it's that a, a good chunk of the companies that are looking for sales outsourcing have some sort of inherent belief that sales outsourcing is cheaper. Outsourcing to to um, to uh, cheaper economies can be cheaper, um, and that's that's how you gain that's how you get gains and things like marketing or software development and so forth and so on and so forth. But if you want to outsource sales, then you need to have people who understand the language, who understand the culture, and who can operate in that space where you want to be active. And so you can't really get people not at scale that are that are. Uh, not certainly not in consulting, uh, consultative sales. Maybe you can do it in transactional sales. Uh, in fact, I think for sure in transactional sales. But I do consultative sales, and so so when we look for sales professionals to come and help a client uh, do opportunity management, do build all the relationships and all that good stuff, then they are in market. And so in market, you fight against the rest of that labor market at the level of that economy. And and there's just no way to cheat that, right? You can't. The only way is to go. The only way to get cheaper is to buy something which is cheaper, right? And so and so that means downgrading your expecting uh, expectations of that talent. And and yeah, that's not oh, I what think you that, need. I, I, I think the term outsourcing is very destructive in the sense that it, it just means so many different things, right? Like. Like if you look at even in America, like like outsourcing really took a hold of like manufacturing jobs leaving to China, right? Mm. Um, and that is completely different than hiring a sales expert to generate $10 million of pipeline for you, right? Those are things where it's like, hey, how can we lower the cost of an iPhone? Well, you can lower the cost of an iPhone by building a factory in a low cost, low tax zone with low cost labor doing the same repetitive things. There's yeah, no well, other software. Yeah. Also in software as a service, you know, you, you just outsource, you just, uh, you just uh, out, outsource offshore your, your development centers to somewhere where the, where, where people get paid less. You can still pay them well relative to their economy, but that's, but, but that can be cheap to you because you're in a rich economy. Everybody wins. That's fine. But it is still the idea that it is cheaper to have software developers in say, well, Ukraine is a little bit of a bad example right now, but um, but say no, yeah, yeah, uh, Poland, Eastern anywhere in Eastern Europe and India, uh, anywhere in Latin America uh, and so forth, right? So so customer support centers, you you chuck them off to India, that's cheaper. So and people so often have the same kind of idea about how you can get sales um, shipped off to a cheaper part of the world, and certainly in consultative sales. That is not the way forward. No, I think people need to also understand that that they could take a look at their whole company holistically as a as a as they should as a as a machine with a plan, right? And it could be a combination of having a high, very high pay, very high skilled person getting paid, very high hourly, 
and then people that are outsourced doing something that's already been like, hey, we get these Facebook leads, they take three emails, then a phone call. It's, you know, like there are definitely situations where these things can work, right? And there could be a mix, right? Like a company can work with your with your company, your sales, to do consultative sales where it's it's experts that are opening opportunities to CEOs that are cold, it's very mm-hmm. difficult. And at the same time, if they wanted to save capital money, they can they could directly hire global talent themselves or work with a near shore with the, the plan is to save capital, right? The, the plan is yep. we got it down so big that if we take this and we lower the cost without lowering the, the uh, quality, we save money. That's not the same in sales. So they come in with this mentality and it's broken from the beginning because they're also at the same time saying, hey, I need to hit a million in revenue or five million in revenue. I know my valuation because I have a venture capital company that's going to take my stock back if I don't hit these goals. Do you really want to go cheap in a situation like that? Do you want to go cheap with product market fit? I'm like, this is what creates the value, right? I think for people yep. forget that an MVP, minimal viable product, is less about the product you have, more about the 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 more about your target market's willingness to to buy it, right? Um, and they're trying to go cheap on that. And 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 I'm like, maybe for the listeners, you work. can tell like, yeah, what, no, it what, work. what happens? What does that mean? <laughs> like, what does not working mean? Yeah, well, what, like, like, so what, what, what that means is that you won't be able to tell the stories at the right kind of level of the organizations you're trying to sell to for them to believe enough in it to make a decision, to make a change. So, um, so, so, so you are not going to land the kinds of customers that you want. And you may also, you also don't get the, the right level of experience. So when, as soon as people, as soon as sales professionals who do not have uh, sufficient experience get significant pushback, then they take that pushback as truth rather than uh, rather than having a conversation about the criticism that the that the potential uh, customer is coming with, right? So where the experienced salesman will go, uh, or saleswoman for that matter, will go, okay, I see what you're where you're coming from, um, but how if we look about it, in a, how if we look at it in this particular way, or just say no. Um, but the less experienced salesman is going to go back to his manager and say, yeah, but they say they already have it. Have what? They say they already have what? Well, they have, uh, what is an example? Uh, you could, you know, you have technologies that remind customers of each other, but solve different kinds of problems, right? Yeah, um, like you're so, selling a contract management software and they're thinking DocuSign or something, right? Like, the, it, like it's... Yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah. And that piece of information that you find out is valuable, right? I think, I think it's interesting that um, you know t- there tends to be almost no value when people hire an outsourced sales for market validation or these these concepts that for other companies are billion dollar industries, right? And they just want to kind of skip to to revenue, um, and it, and and it, it and it creates this just it creates also a, a bad selling process, right? Because I think buyers and you could, you've probably seen this before, where if they if they're not really understanding the process, they also start getting the wrong customers, right? And if you get the wrong customers, you're going to have bad onboarding, bad experiences. So it's like, it really yeah, affects not the, whole, the whole yeah. machine. Yeah. yeah. Your you, listeners, you, are you, they also small companies, sort of startups uh, in that space? Who? Your customers. Our customers are, are, are mostly software companies, anywhere from Series A, Series B, we're a marketplace, we have seen it all. Um, yeah. We have service companies. But but typically the the sweet spot um, that that we see that are outsourcing in general are software companies with an average contract value of ten to thirty five thousand is that as that sweet spot with a concentration um, 
where, where most companies are coming in. And uh, it's a good question because I think this is some of the data that we want to provide, right? The community, I think, by even understanding who is outsourcing, you yeah. can reverse engineer, is it good for you, right? And it's just, we live in a world where you can get so much transparency and information and make better decisions as buyers and sellers. Um, yeah. You know, even as a seller, you know, you have the power to also research a buyer and say, you know, Absolutely. Are, they, are they funded, you, right? You and have to do around. this part of your responsibility. Yeah. Well, how if you're not researching them, you're doing them um, at the service, right? Because you yeah. need to make sure that they're right to be brought on. But the reason I'm asking is that the reason I'm uh, asking about whether the, you know the size of your customers is. I think we spoke earlier uh, before the show about mistakes companies make when they yeah. are buying outsourcing, and I think one of the mistakes that that companies often um, and and frequently will make is they outsource too early, right? They outsource before they know anything about their sales process, before they have, before they, they outsource, before they have first customers, before they know anything about what it takes to sell their own offering. They are mm -hmm. outsourcing, they go to market to a company that has, and, and uh, yeah, that, and often try to do that on terms that are not very favorable. But, but let's, very... Let's, unwrap, let's unwrap that though, right? Because I, I do you think that, that becomes a problem when they have the wrong goals, right? Like, like can, can and should a company outsource, um, you know, building personas, finding market validation? Is it, is it that they're trying to get a return on sales when they don't have it and they just don't really know what they're buying? Because I, I believe that you, if you should outsource your market validation to a company like yours that probably is expert at it, right? Um, so is it, is it that they're outsourcing at the wrong time or outsourcing with the wrong goal? Then they're outsourcing with the they're outsourcing with the wrong goal. It often goes hand okay. in hand with them wanting to have like a like a like terms that are unfavorable uh, that are not providing an incentive to give them the learning that they need to grow as a company, right? So, so a typical example would be I think I've had a couple of handfuls of those just um, over the past week, where I, somebody books a meeting and wants to have a conversation about uh, about sales outsourcing of their SaaS software. And then, uh, and then you you look up their website. You see on sites like Semrush that they don't really have any traffic, right? And so you conclude that okay, so it's probably fairly early days for them. And then you go back to them and you ask, hey, so where are you guys in the process at the minute? How far, uh, how far have, how many customers do you have? And what is your goal of our conversation? And include would. Are you are you thinking about going uh, profit sharing, revenue sharing as a as a way of uh, propelling this partnership forward? Yes. Okay. So that means that there is no incentive at all for the outsourcing provider to provide any kind of feedback on what's working and what's not. The only thing that counts is the next deal because that's what you get paid for. And that's a mistake. When you're at the when you're an early stage SaaS company, you want to learn as much as you can. So instead of doing, I mean, or not necessarily instead of doing outsourcing, but in addition to doing outsourcing of just the the hands and feet, you need to outsource a, a level of know-how as well to make sure that you have people on board who can tell you what the steps are you need to go through in order to grow. And that's what they that they they. Typically, they hire outsourced um, outsourced partners for just operational execution rather than operational excellence. Yes, and I agree with you. And 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 operational excellence does mean what I'm listening is also 
feedback, right? Like start and stop totally. and constant communication. Yeah. And it's just, it's just for some reason, it's not, it's not sexy, right? We live in this world where it's like, I personally don't, that's sexy. But how about I actually heard from a customer that all these crazy features we built, they're not really care about. They just care about stop. They care about, they care about, is it going to get me off spreadsheets? And you're coming in there with all these, this terminology. But it's like, there's no value on it. But think about what, what is the, well, let's call it the sales debt. This is something that uh, Tito Board brought up as the term sales debt, like like the bad practice built up. Like, what's the sales debt built up where you're like, you're you're taking the wrong message and you're scaling it now, right? Like you you went fast, yeah. you didn't focus on you didn't focus on the problems. You you found no value in the mistakes. You were just I'm right. I know what my buyers want right. And now oh, yeah. you hire thirty sales reps that are saying the wrong thing. What is yeah. the cost of all those people that have now heard your brand? And are listening like this company built something for themselves, right? No, but it's true. Right. I mean, it's it's the same logic as you take uh, as 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 being careful with automation, right? You take something that you tried out a little bit. You maybe you 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 may have gotten some early results, but you didn't really test it at statistical levels, and so now you're putting it to automation, and automation is taking you into a brick wall at 300 miles an hour. It's not that brick, wall, that, brick, that brick wall is customers that might not never buy from you ever again. Oh, totally. Because, yeah. 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 We live in a world of can't, can't, uh, cancel, cancel culture. But well, not you know, only, it might not be just a, it's, it's not necessarily just a, a, a customer that will never buy from you. It could be an entire market that will not, never buy from you. Imagine if you, um, if you become enemies with, uh, the, with your addressable market in the U.S., Game Time over. to find new business. Yeah. Time to find new business. Uh, and this happens over and over again. How many times have you seen this? You've been in the industry for what now? Eleven years? Yeah, I've been I've been I'm in I've been in software for 20, 20 God, longer than I care to remember, actually. I think it probably my first very first sales job back in the mid nineties was a software sales job. It's a good career to be in. There was no SaaS back then, but then, uh, but it was all, on, you know, video conferencing software. So video, no, yeah, well, yeah, it was video conferencing on prem through tiny little, uh, tiny little um, digital telephone lines and with TVs that were deeper than they were wide. So yeah. I bet, I bet you it was still cheaper, faster, and more efficient than the incumbent's technology. I'm like, we almost, you know, you almost laugh at it now or where we're at, but of course. what was before, what was before that, right? Well, that was traveling with an airplane, which in the or, days where airplanes were super, super expensive, right? So that was the alternative. Yeah. So tell me about your, your, your best buyer, right? And by best buyer, I mean, they, they get, they're happy and they they stay with you for a long time. With people listening are here, right? Like, like who, who do you help the most? And I'm going to try, I'm going to try to narrow you in, right? I think, I think we're mm -hmm. all about that 80, 20 rule. And I know that you probably service a lot of people, a lot of places, but. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, you have an ideal client profile. Yeah, everybody service. can do. Yeah, no, no, no. I get it. Everybody can do business with everybody, but for every single company, you have some. You have a company that is your ideal client profile. Well, and I already know. Some, like, like if I'm if I'm like Zoom Info or something, I I, I could tell. Like, if you were you were selling this technology probably before the people were creating it, right? So you, you've been you've been in tech since software since the '90s. Um, Correct. Services or softwares? You have to pick one. What is it? So uh, I'm sorry. What? If you have to pick between service and software and you could only pick one, what would you pick? Software? What do you mean? Well, to I'm sell? Sure. I have a, I have a lot of agency owners are, are answering services and that's, this is great. We're, we're, we're separating. No, look, okay. See, the answer is a little more complex. I knew you would I would, 
I would want to sell. Um, I would want to sell software at the core, sprinkled with a little bit of professional services, because it becomes when you have and for instance, when you sell enterprise software, you if if the software that you sell, if you can successfully sell it and you can sort of sprinkle it with a little bit of professional services dust, then it becomes super sticky. It becomes really, really tricky to kick you back out again. And and so but that's is this, what is this is this is this an answer? And I love it. I love the answer because I, I, I also fundamentally understand it, why you're answering that way. But do you think it's a symptom of also buyers? Meaning that if all buyers came and really understood the math of their funnels. They really understood, and I'm. Are you friends with Hako from Winning by Design? He's he's a yeah, he's a of he's course. A man. We love him. Yeah, I, I figure we love him. Uh, Tony Arcero just went through his courses the other day. I've known that guy for five years. Um, yeah. Do you think that your answer is a symptom of people not understanding math and funnels? And if software companies came and really understood that even if there's 12 months of no sales, but you got one in month 14, which you'd get, you would have a hollow eye. If they were a little bit prepared, would you? just say software is the service sprinkle coming in because you know it has a high ltv and high measurability and it kind of almost protects the buyer from bad behavior no i think the uh, well uh, it's a good idea to protect the buyer from bad behavior actually <laughs> i think no, that's what I you're doing the, <laughs> yeah, but yeah but no but there's but there's also that you're protecting your ltv and because you're because if you're if you're becoming so sticky because you're integrated to all sorts of systems on the customer's side, then 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 the without your CAC going uh, going up tremendously, it's going to be a win, right? Do you think that you need to be sticky for them to get the ROI? Meaning that is it when we say we want our clients as agencies to be sticky, are we also saying it in a way of them getting what they want too? Like, like there's a difference between like sticky, you can't cancel, we got yeah. you, like you're, versus like you need to be sticky to not hurt no, yourself. No, it's, like, it's sticky in the sense that yes, it's well, it's going to be tough to get rid of us, not legally or but just technologically, it's going to be a, a heavy lift which is fine if we consistently continue to deliver value, right? If the, if the value that we deliver goes up by the numbers of people and the numbers of years that we are on board, super fine. Then it's uh, then it's absolutely win-win, right? And, and that's fine. So, but if it's just, we are tying people in, that's a little bit. I, I struggled with this as a, as a what, what I was a uh, sales service agency <laughs> owner where, you know, I didn't want to do contracts. I wanted to do month by month. I wanted to do quarterly. And what I found was that customers uh, actually did not get anything they wanted and, and hurt our company and brand. And then we noticed that six months, 12 months, companies were actually getting what they wanted. Now, at the same time, I have let people out of contracts, right? I had people that were six month contracts and we literally told them, we like, we said like, you don't have product market fit, right? Like, like you're yeah. like, this is a company. I remember this company was like an app company for, uh, car dealerships where like they can build their own little digital website, the people and the, 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 the dealerships are like, Hey, like we don't have like, like, like it was during COVID or like, they're like things are sold out right now. Like we don't really have this need to generate more sales. And then we told that to the <laughs> client and we let them out the contract. It's like, we don't need to like, like nobody's learning. Nobody learns when they try to fit a, a, a square through a circle. Right. But it's that like, it's, it's interesting because it's almost like, 
how like this word contract is so negative that sometimes it's really hard to find the balance of what's what is good for you and your goals, right? Like as a buyer, and it's like very tricky. And I don't think that like I don't think there's a clear answer for that, right? But it's almost like braces. Or, you know, if you get braces, you can wear them two years of your life. And if you don't wear the retainers, you'll lose all those two years, right? Um, and, and it's like, so but like it's how- about being, uh, to have a con- you, you have to have conversations with customers about what is good for them. What are, what's their situation? How can you best help them? If you can't help them, then so be it, right? But, but as yeah. long as you no, can, I, I, you can make them, make, make, make them an offer that is interesting for them, then they become customers. And as long as you can be, be interesting to work with, you, they'll remain customers. And at the minute that, they are not, that you're not interesting, that you're not delivering value anymore, then they'll start to want to move. Yeah, when you right? say, I don't know, right? Like when they say, hey, we're, this is our goals, what do we, and we come up with great ideas. Then we're a part of the team and we're like, we're just, I don't know, it's time to go. But that goes for anybody on your team, right? Like like internal, external, it doesn't matter, right? If, they, if people don't have value, you know, get out, right? Yeah, um, yeah unfortunately, are- that goes a lot. Uh, it's, it's not unfortunate, actually, that contractors go out when they don't deliver value. It is a little unfortunate that, them, that how long employees can stay on board without delivering anything at all. Oh my God, so, I've seen AEs working for 15 years at companies with million dollar sales. And then, I, and then oh my God, I, uh, that would be another whole podcast to get into that. That's Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would yeah. be a whole other story. <laughs> uh, so software companies, um, companies that have product market fit that are looking for, like, should, should yeah, go, let, to Okay, you? so to your question about what's the, yeah. uh, what's the ideal client profile, it's a company, the ideal, if I, if, I, if I can dream up the perfect customer, then it's a customer with a level of funding that, uh, that allows for international growth into parts of the world where they do not want to have local legal entities because then they want to work with an outsourcer, someone who can handle sort of the... the like a U.S. The company payroll. penetrating... Penetrating EMEA? Yeah, absolutely. That would be great. Um, and it would be even better if their sales ops is, um, I wouldn't say a mess, but if they have work to do on the sales ops side, because then we can sell them consulting and we can help them there um, in great many ways. We can help them with uh, sales professionals who can do opportunity management and so forth. And in fact, we can also help them with that top end of the funnel where we just generate conversations. That would be awesome. So uh, to be fair, I think probably one of the best customers that we've had on have on had on board here was a um, uh, at, at the all time best customer was a uh, U.S. project management uh, software company, which shall rename uh, remain unnamed. Um, but they were at the at the point in time that we started doing business with them, they were uh, sixty people. Uh, exclusively in the US and they wanted to go international. They didn't know where, they didn't exactly know whether the timing was right, um, but they knew they wanted to take on Europe first, as is often the case with, uh, with, uh, with US-based companies. The next uh, part of the world down from the US is uh, continental Europe or maybe the UK because of, language, uh, because of languages, but definitely um, definitely uh, continental Europe. And so we ended up going and covering continental Europe for them, uh, you know, had some of the be- their best reps uh, for that first year within just six months off the top of my head. Then we moved on to uh, LATAM and opened that and to APAC and opened that. Um, and they ended up being a customer for what was it? Seven, eight years. 
which was until they ended up being at, at the time that we depart we parted ways they were 12 1300 men company um with plenty of resources resources on their own and having been acquired by a really large organization so yeah so 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 that was did, did netsuite acquire them no okay so we're, we're trying to okay yeah what does this uh, uh, i think i could figure it out uh, yeah, but that, that's so. There's so many of those. Uh, these kinds of companies are, um, are, are plentiful. But um, but those kinds. My main of, point is that was ideal. Of, those kinds of results are not right. No, helping. The, so that's that's the point we need to highlight. No, it right? went it went very well. And then of course, what happened was, we would go out and we'd uh, we'd we'd find the right kinds of people for them. Then they would operate, and this was probably what they did. What they did right, and what I think more companies should do, which is right, especially in sort of the consultative sales space. Instead, when you do outsourcing, try to do sort of outsourcing, insourcing, um, and not in-house, but because it's impossible, and it would have been impossible in their case. But you need to try to bring in the people who are selling, and I know that there may be legal challenges with that but um bring in the salespeople as much as possible into your day-to-day -day operations and make them feel like they are the team not that they're externals that are sort of accepted as part of the team they are part of the team right unconditionally they are on a different kind of contract they yes, are part of the team but in the day-to-day they are an important part of the team and so that's where did we where did we like. get so wrong that we, we yeah. consider money spent ten thousand dollars spent on a w2 which is referenced to the us uh playbook, yeah. is different than ten thousand spent on agency like where did we go so wrong that the revenue is different when it's really a number i'm like it's just it's strange to me is it basic well tribalism just kind of like human nature that's human nature. Here? You want it to get fixed and you're paying someone to fix the problem. The problem is we need some more sales. You take some money, you throw it over the fence. You hope that they do some good with it. That's often how it's done, but there's more yeah. to it, right? There's, some also, there's also some legal issues with part of the reason that you, you're using either, uh, what are these called, W2s or 1099s or whatever, is that you don't want to have those people on your books. Now, in some countries, if you can, if you have just, if you have a, a 1099 contract, for instance, in some parts of the world, then you typically, when you're in sales, you just have one contract. Now, in uh, certainly uh, across countries in Europe, they will call that, uh, they have all sorts of, what, what's it called? Um, they have all sorts of <laughs> localized words for it. But essentially what it means, you're trying to pretend to be an entrepreneur, but you're Free not, answer. You, just, you just have a single customer and so you should be an employee. Freelancer. Yeah, no, not in, yeah, you, yeah, but you're trying to you're trying to appear <laughs> to be a freelancer. You're trying to appear to be a freelancer, but you're not. You're an employee with a freelance contract. And in most countries across Europe, a freelancer gets all sorts of tax um, tax deductions. So uh, plus the uh, challenges with uh, with um, uh, legal issues and uh, that require. Uh, freelancers to build up a pension or take care of healthcare and what it what it and and disability and those kinds of things, right? So, so those that's are also, reasons that's that also, you it's don't also, want. It's also saying people are not responsible at the same time because we are helping people become freelancers and business owners, and it, yeah. and we found that it's in different regions it's actually different, right? Like in Latin yeah. America, uh, 
the employment contract, I believe, is a jail sentence, and I'll tell you why. By law, you can only have one job, meaning that if you work at night and weekends, you're, you're breaking a law and you can get sued. So like now you just can't actually hustle. They have 22 yeah, Mondays off. That's many countries. That's 22, many countries. Mon 22 Mondays off, right? Um, and then while other people are working, they're, they're off on vacation. And then 40% payroll tax, which goes right to the government and doesn't get reinvested to them. So, you know, the, the consequence that you mentioned of them paying their own stuff, don't you also feel like that also could be the responsibility they need to improve their lives by actually understanding that they are business, that they could take, that they understand where it's coming from? Like, are there situations where my that point could is be... that the states that they are living in, the countries that they're living in, don't give them the room they need to be responsible, because they don't they, let them. Yeah, they don't educate it. A, yeah, because if you only yeah. have a single, if you're working full time for as a freelancer for a single company then that's your single customer at that time. And yeah. the country that you're operating in will not let you do it. It is against tax law. Interesting. And that's a shame because it shouldn't be, right? Because you're a consultant who sells know-how and you move from company to company is how it works. And that's how yeah. it should, or at least that's how it should work. And, I, and, the, and the laws that exist in this space, they... They exist mostly to uh, protect completely different industries, right? They uh, they exist to to uh, to protect uh, you know um, people who work in fruit plantations and construction companies and whatnot from from being taken advantage of. But in sales and and sort of our level of uh, of, of we want yeah, it's entrepreneurship. It's completely different. But legislation doesn't see any difference, right? So, yeah. so if I want to go out, for instance, and take on a um, take on a German contractor just for a single client, I can't do it because the German tax authorities will not allow it. Not done. The German tax authorities are very tough. I've heard. I've heard my friend says that if you yeah, have like the, a nice yeah, car, yeah, but the law is this. The law is the same here. There, there, there are differences. Um, between countries with regards to how it gets enforced or not, but the law is the same across most of Europe. Like it or not. You know a lot about tax law. Hmm? I know the high level. I know that I know that one size doesn't fit all. I know that some of these, you know, even our first and last name, these are built for paper worlds, not digital worlds, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> like, like, um, you know, like things will change. I think innovation always kind of kind of faster, cheaper, more efficient, always kind of wins in the end. Um, yeah. And it's interesting that you, you mentioned these things because I, like I said, I read a book called Nation State, which just talks about like future countries in, in yeah. the cloud where you can literally pool together more money, buy more land, have more people. And it's like, well, what's the answer? Maybe it's nation state. Maybe now somebody in Germany says, I don't want to do these rules and I'm going to just be part of a, a, a nation in the cloud and move to Marbella, Spain. And, and, and Are they mentioning know. Estonia in that uh, book? Yes. Because they do it, yeah? They, that you can yeah. become a digital citizen of Estonia. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So because I'm I'm listening because like for me, I I've seen the difference between um, employees of different countries and freelancers, and it's it's night and day. One is a time culture that they just want to sue each other. I've literally known, and the other one is like you're a man, pay your taxes, and now you can earn more money. And I could see the benefit. Um, I think education needs to come out to educate people that like hey. You know, the idea here is get more jobs. You, you are a business, pay your taxes. But yeah, the network state, it's, it's written by, um, you, probably, you probably read this book. 
you know, why can't I, I forgot his name, but he's, he's, he's a brilliant guy. He had a podcast on, um, on Lex Friedman that was seven hours long. And I watched the, What's it I called? The, the whole thing. It's called the network state. It's by Balahis, B-A-L-A-J-I-S. And it's so funny because I'm looking at his book. Yeah, it's yeah I got great. it here. Um, but it's like kind of things we're talking about where it's like, hey, if these laws can't change because, because they're just so bureaucratic, well, how, you know, how do you get above it? Um, but ironically, it's going to be the salespeople that are going to be pushing this first, right? Look, and leading the way. I think anyway, for in, anything, in, in most things, when, when change is coming, who is going to make sure that change happens, right? Who is going to make sure that other people take on change, if not salespeople? People who are able to sell an idea, and they may call themselves something completely different. They may call themselves politicians or whatever. Right? Rebels. At the end of the day, they are people who are able to sell an idea so other people make changes. I agree. And I think that, for instance, if we ever get to uh, get our act together and do something about climate change, then it is because somebody eventually, finally managed to sell us all the idea that we need to act as a globe and just do something about it. But until I, someone can sell that idea to a global audience, you can forget about it. I agree. I agree. They got people like Leonardo DiCaprio trying, not hard enough, apparently, using their fame not, to... Not, yeah. Not smart enough, hard enough. I don't know. I support him. Yeah. Not he, made a, you know, he, made, he made a movie, he made a video that was like short hypocrisy with the, the astronauts recently. Uh, yeah. called, don't look up. Don't look up. Uh, this is this has been great uh, for for all the listeners that, that are checking in. If you're a U.S. based company and 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 you want to take over Europe without any of the liabilities and appliances of hiring all the people in different states, and that you are looking for someone who has actually been part of multiple software companies builds and exits, um, have to contact your sales. How can they find you? Absolutely, find me on LinkedIn. I hope maybe there's there's going to be a link here somewhere. So find me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect and also to get acquainted. I think it's uh, probably what makes the difference. Uh, happy to spend the time here. This was great. Are you going to be attending Outbound 2023, our conference, bringing all the buyers I... and sellers? Is it virtual? It's hybrid. All right, it's virtual. Made. Okay, we're going to get you to speak about your expertise <laughs> now I'm, I will. Gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna challenge you in on exactly what we talked about because I, frankly there's right. a lot of companies that that are um looking to penetrate europe and they, and they have a hard time finding you right they can't cut through the noise and that's what this is designed for uh, so thank you again for 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 uh, chatting and everybody who's listening appreciate you joining the transfer sales podcast you can find me and on, on all social i'm your writer and cloudfest.com have a good one take care take care man